Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. And I was like expecting them to say like, because you're so young, and uh, which I really appreciate anytime you want to say that. Um, and then, because one of my elders this morning told me I'm old, um, but uh, I won't mention names, Lori Cross, and uh, the uh, love you, the, uh, no, she had creme brulee without me, creme brulee, I can't say it. Anyway, uh, this person said, that's crazy, because she attends a church, and her pastor's name is Chris there as well. And I thought, I'm okay with that. I just don't want to be, you know, like really old or really young. I think I'm good. I'm 37, so right in there. Uh, but I'll meet people, and I have five kids. And they look at me like, there's no way you have five kids. And then they look at my wife, and they go, there's no way you had five kids. So um, if you don't know, my wife is, we call her Twigs. And uh, there's a reason why. So she's about a third of my size. Um, hey, I want to just say a couple things here this morning before we jump into the last series. We've been doing this Family 28 series, and who here has enjoyed this series? Just a round of applause. Have you enjoyed it? Okay. Um, this has really been my heart. It's been my passion. I'm a family guy, and I love this. And so today we're going to take a different look um, as we complete this series. And next week, for the month of March, we're going to enter in up until Easter, and that's the day, man. Bring somebody. We're gonna, we have two services that day at 9 o'clock and 1030. We want to pack the place out. Um, usually Easter weekend, we have between 500 and 1,000 people come through our doors, and so we want to be um, ready for that, and so we're going to have two services. And the thing of it is, is this coming month, we are entering into a new series, which I'm really excited about. It's called Dumb Things Christians Say. And so uh, don't miss out. I know if you're a Christian, you've never said anything dumb, so we're not talking about you, just everybody else. And uh, what, what we do with these things, and so I'm excited to jump into that next week. I've been pr- already been preparing um, two last things. First is this. Um, I just want to say kudos to our worship team and their newest member. I have a little bit of bias, but hey, Isaac Vincent, great job today on the drums, man. So It's cool. Troy, uh, you know, our house drummer, I think he's going to be out of a job soon, it's looking like. So uh, we've got a lot of great drummers in the house, so that's awesome. Thank you, guys. And uh, last is this. We have been saying, if you don't know this, it just goes like this. We just say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. If you believe that, would you say it with me? We'll say it twice. First, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Say it one more time. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. By round of applause here, who has children? Okay, if you don't have, that's like, like everybody. If you don't have kids, please don't worry. You're still part of this church and we want to honor you, okay? So if you don't have kids, it's all right. We're going to talk about that today as well. Um, I remember my firstborn, that was JC. Uh, we have one daughter, she's 15, she's on the roads, and she's doing pretty good. Um, and we have four boys, and she's doing great. And uh, my kids, I remember, and maybe you guys can relate to this, I'm just a sucker for kids. And so I remember when we had my firstborn, we were at Mercy Hospital, and it was, it was January 28, 2002. It was snowing outside, and I took my daughter, put her in this, you know, our little Toyota Corolla, and I'm driving away. And tell me if you can relate to this. You're like the worried parent, you know? It's your firstborn, you know? And, and you're like looking behind, is she breathing? Is she, is she okay? And I'm doing like 25 miles an hour down 35W, you know, like just, you know, or Highway 10. And uh, I'm looking behind, I was so worried, you know? And then I had to go back to work and I was in tears. I'm just, I'm a sucker for my kids. I know a lot of you are too. You know, and then the second one comes and you're like, you're, you're 
you know, just about as concerned as the firstborn. Not, you know, like 30, you know, three quarters difference. And then, you know, now with Silas, God bless him, my, my little seven-year-old, you know. We're just like, I think he's in the house somewhere, you know. He's, we, he's, he's here, I believe. Um, what I want to do today is I want to talk to us about our titles, okay? We have talked the first three weeks, um, three different things. We looked at our atmosphere, and we said, hey, in your family atmosphere, whether you're a son, whether you're a daughter, whether you're a dad, whether you're a single person, whether you're a mom, whether you're wife, husband, grandparents, whatever. We talked about grandma and grandpa last week at the end of service. And here's what I want you to know. No matter where you're at within that, if family is a tough topic for you, I believe that God can change your family atmosphere right now. I believe he can change that. You have to believe that he can change that as well. Okay, and then second weekend, we looked at the habits. We said these are the habits that we're going to break, the habits that are in our family. So we're going to have the reason it's called Family 28. We want to have our best family in 28 days. What does that look like for you? It's going to look different for you than it does for me. It's going to be looking different to the family next to you that's right now in church. And then last week, we really started talking about the blended family. What does that mean? How do we operate as a blended family that's really prevalent in today's world? And we talked about the extended family. We looked at last week how God's house, there's always room for one more. We looked at biblically how Jesus said, in my house, in my father's house, there's many dwellings. And the reason he said that is to say there's always room for one more. Bridge Church, there's always room for one more at this church, right? Always. And so that's what we are. We're family of God. And I just want to say this. The family of God is growing at the Bridge Church in two different ways. We've seen that grow in depth with these small groups, with people connecting. And we've also seen just more people that say, hey, we want to go to church. We want to be a part of what the Bridge Church is doing. And so I'm just excited for what God is doing. I want you to keep this mindset. We're going to talk about family, but I just want to say one thing, outreach-minded and outreach-focused. In the next month and a half, there's going to be great opportunity to invite somebody, to bring somebody with, to nab them, steal them, kidnap them, whatever, and just grab them and say, hey, you're coming with me, man. You're going to have a great time. And you say, I'm even going to buy you lunch or donuts, whatever, okay? And here's the deal. When I was in college, I had this outreach class, different kind of college, right, Bible school. And in this outreach class, you know what we got to do one of the days? Play with Legos. Oh, yeah. And what they did is the, uh, the professor dumped out Legos on the floor, and I'm going, what kind of school is this? This is crazy. And uh, we went through this book called, Bill Hybels did called Contagious Christianity. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to build the church. And we're all looking at you like, this is crazy. And we're asking him, well, what do you mean build the church? He's like, whatever you think the church looks like, I want you to build that with Legos. And I'm going, all right. And so we had three different groups. The first group, they built this incredible, you know, sanctuary model. It took them about an hour to do. The next group, they built, you know, kind of more of a cathedral style. And then it got to our group. And here's what we did. We didn't build like a building. What we did is we took a platform and we had a bunch of Legos. And what we did is the platform was out. I wish I had a, an object for you here this morning. I don't, but they had a platform. And what we did is we took all the Legos and we started putting them on the outskirts of this platform. And we continued to reach out and upwards. And we said, this is the church. And, you know, we went up for our grade at the end. We presented which one, you know, and, and both the other two groups said, here's my cathedral, here's, here's my church. And then we said, this is the church. The church isn't about us, it's about those that don't yet know, and we want to continue to be outreach-minded. And the professor's like, you guys got it, you nailed it. And I just want to say this, as a church, we are doing phenomenally. We're doing great. And I was accepting somebody when they walked through this door. I was saying, hey, I was welcome. And just, I want to encourage you, let's keep that up. Are you with me, church? If yeah, if yes, say yeah. All right, so here we go. 
Today we're closing with these different titles. Whether they are given, whether you're born with them, whether you earn them, whether you receive them over time, it doesn't matter. Some of them are son, daughter, niece, nephew, sister, dad, mom, husband, wife, cousin, uncle. There could be, there's tons more. You know, you start getting into the once removed, twice removed thing. I don't even know how that works, all right? That's just crazy. Some we choose. Some titles we're like, that's the title that I want and I go after. I want to get married, okay? Welcome to the jungle, my friend. No, you want to get married. You want to do that. And then there's other titles that we receive, okay, that we earn. What I want to do today, whatever title you have, whether it's been earned, whether it's been given, whether it's received, whether you're still walking into that title, is I want you to get to know your title. If you're mom, I want you to get to know mom today from a Christian worldview. I want to encourage you because in the half an hour we have together right now, I can't give you everything about your title, just a little snippet of what that actually is. And so I want you later to dig in and go, here's what my title is. And in fact, I want you to take scripture and study your title. What does it mean? In fact, here's the, here's the deal. In the word of God, there are 2,544 references to being a son. That's a ton. 2,500. 1,103 references of being a father. 462 references of being a daughter and 325 times of being a wife. Now, every single one of us has a title here today, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're an extended family, it doesn't matter. We all have that title. We are all called to live up to the title that we have. The problem is, let's face it, we don't always live up to that title. I don't always live up to that title as a dad or as a husband, okay? What it says in the Bible, it says a foolish son brings weight to his family. You know, a dad who's not following God's delegated authority we talked about a few weeks ago, it affects the whole family. And so you've got to want to live up to your title. Now don't take a title, by the way, that you're not ready for. We talked about being single last week, and we said it's a great time that you have completely undistracted just to focus on Christ right now if you're single. So don't take that title if you're not ready for it yet. Lots of people, lots of people feel guilty that they cannot live up to their title. They feel like, I'm just, I fall short all the time, and we, we put shame on ourselves and con- condemn ourselves, and a lot of it comes from Hollywood. Some of it we take wrongly out of Scripture, and we shame ourselves, and we feel bad that we're not living up to our potential. You know, and so on one side, media bombards us, and then on the other side, we have Scripture that bombards us. And so what's the truth? And so I'm going to play a couple different clips here of shows that you probably know, and we're going to unwrap this together and untangle what your title is as we take a Christian worldview. So the first title here is Husbands and Wives. Anyway, Peg, I'm just not really looking forward to speaking in front of all those people. I mean, who started that tradition that the man who makes the least has to introduce the man who makes the most? (laughs) Honey, you ought to be proud. I mean, no one else has held that honor for seven years in a row. Why, hissing and booing you actually seems to energize the whole convention. Hey, do you get a special bonus or something if I don't reach 50? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I should check. But honey, I don't want you to ruin this convention for me. It's my big night out. I mean, you have the glamour and excitement of, of the shoe store every single day. <laughs> But I am stuck here in this house, eating bonbons, watching that TV all day long. You owe me. I have to tell you, you know, I grew up, uh, you can bring the lights back up. I grew up in a, uh, 
um, a home that wasn't Christian until later on in life. And uh, you can bring the lights up. Thanks. And uh, for me, uh, every Friday night, we'd sit down, we'd watch Married with Children. So that was my view of family growing up, all right? So here you are learning from me today, all right? No, so we'll keep it scripture-based. I want to speak to the ladies in the room for a moment, all right? There's a scripture that King Solomon writes about his wife, and it's in Proverbs chapter 31. And it talks about all these qualities of a wife, tons of them. And let me just say this, we have done an injustice as the church, not not the bridge church, but the church generically speaking, because we tend to look at Proverbs 31, ladies, us guys look at it as a job description for you. We go, oh, here's the job description. Let's check, 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 check. Oh, 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 they got that. Um, it's not a job description. Proverbs 31 was never written as a job description. Ladies, you have my permission to nudge your husband right now, but rather a poem of praise from her husband. That's what it is. It's not a job description. It's a poem of praise from the dude. The husband is saying in Proverbs 31, just paraphrase, that his wife is amazing. Okay, it's not a checklist for us guys. And so, guys, for a moment, when is the last time that we praised our wives? When have we lifted up our wives? Do we do it just behind? Do we do it in front of other people? I have to say to you, and I know she gets incredibly embarrassed when I do this, but I have an amazing wife. I love her. We've been married almost 17 years, man. It's awesome. She's the most faithful person I know. She has more integrity than anyone that I've ever met in my life. She is an incredible mom. I trust her with my life. I don't have to worry that my wife is going to leave and go off with some other guy if things get tough. She is so incredibly faithful, and I'm so blessed to be married to my wife, Heather. Guys, do the same. Praise your wife, okay? Today, wives don't get to necessarily sit in front of TV and watch bonbons, okay, and and, uh, sacrifice that way. But us guys, we have to do a good job of praising our wives. So maybe you're a wife, maybe you're a husband. We've already talked about that in week two very specifically. So let's move on to the next titles here. Are you a son or a daughter? Thanks for doing this. That's the right thing to do. Sorry to keep you waiting. I was meditating and I ran long. (laughs) Well, it could happen to anybody. Listen, I want to apologize for my behavior the other day. Everything I said, everything I did, everything I am. From a molecular level, I am just sorry. Wow. I think that is wonderful. I really like what you've said here today. So we're good. We're good. Yeah. We're good. Uh-huh. Let's, uh, let's get Boyd back here on Monday. we got to unteach him all the stuff that Grandpa taught him. Great. We'll see you Monday. Okay. Oh, wait. You say this school is all about acceptance, but you're being kind of judgy about my dad. Hey, no harm, no foul. What do you say we get out of here? Well, there is a lot to judge. It would take all of my charcoal to sketch his aura. Well, you'd need more than charcoal. Hey, my dad did a pretty good job raising three girls. Well, two out of three. And if Boyd ended up like his grandpa, I would not be devastated. So, we'll see you Monday. You know what? I don't even know if I want my son coming to this school. Oh, fact, sure I you would do. rather that he spend every day at work with my dad. Happy, happy, snappy, crappy, snappy, by me. All right, so here's one of the ladies in here is Kristen, and uh, that's Tim Allen's daughter in this show, Last Man Standing. And here's a great display of her honoring her dad, okay? Um, you are, every single one of us here, we're a son or a daughter. Maybe you don't know who your biological parents are are but somebody named you they gave you a name you have a name and that name is to bring honor to your family um i was named christopher 
Ford, that's my middle name if you ever wondered, Vincent Ford, like the truck, okay? Um, my dad's name is Gifford, my grandpa's name is Fordis, and so they wanted that legacy within my, uh, within my name. That was the second choice. My dad, praise God for my dad, didn't allow my mom to name me the first one. My mom, some of you know this, had an addiction to Winnie the Pooh, and so I was supposed to be Christopher Robin, and her name's Robin as well, and so I'm really glad that my dad kind of stepped forth with that. Here's the deal. The title is where we are to give honor to our parents. This is a scripture with the promise. If we honor our mother and father, two things. It says it goes well with us, and it says we prosper and have a long life. Okay, so I would encourage you, we're all sons and daughters, how do we do that? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, it says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Also, we bring grief to his mother, or grief to his father as well. As a son or daughter, we want, or we should want to bring joy to our parents and be grateful for them, okay? And so what we have to do, you're the only son or daughter that your parents have. And so we have to be grateful and we have to walk into that role to give them that honor, being a son or daughter. That's a title that we have. The third here, we're going to go back to the 90s for you, is brother and sister. That was rad! We're gonna welcome our next contestants all the way from Bel Air, California. Please welcome Will, the Thrill, and Boogaloo Shrimp! How many missed that show? Come on, man. Four out of five Americans, four to five, all right? You can ask my wife, she's the math teacher, what percentage that is. It's a lot, I think like 80%. Four to five Americans have a brother or a sister. Here we see Will Smith and his, you know, brother in the show, Carlton. And here they are hanging out, having fun and goofing off. It's a goofy show, all right? Now here's the deal. Within this show, sometimes you see them honor, you see them respect. But what we have is a title if you're a brother or if you're a sister. And let me ask this. By round of applause, let me ask this, okay? By round of applause, who here is the firstborn? Okay? Now, by round of applause, who here is the baby of the family? All right, let's move on. Um, Did I forget somebody? Oh, who's the middle child? Oh, oh. Here's the deal. If you are a firstborn or a middle child and you get picked on, or if you're the baby of the family, you have a specific role in that family. 
One that God chose for you to be in that order, okay? And here's what we can't do. We can't have rivalries or be envious or show jealousy. In fact, if you go into the Bible, we saw that with Cain and Abel. We talked about that the last two weeks. We see that with Jacob and Esau, okay? They're rivals. They're going against each other. Jacob wants Esau's birthright. He eventually steals it. Mom and dad, let me talk to you for a moment, okay? Some of you have multiple children. We have five. Don't have favorites. Don't have favorites, okay? Isaac in the Bible, he had a favorite son, okay? Jacob in the Bible, he had a favorite son. His favorite son was Joseph. In Genesis chapter 37, some of us know the story, Joseph's brothers do what? They're going to kill him. But Judah says, oh, let's not kill my brother Joseph. Instead, I got a great idea. Let's sell him. What a great brother. You're so kind. So they sell him into slavery. And during this time, you hear Reuben, his other brother, he has like this bro-god moment. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, we can't sell him. We can't, we can't kill him. Let's, let's not do this. In fact, in Genesis 37, 21, it says this. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him, Joseph, from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Now, if you know the story, he's sold into slavery into the Ishmaelites for years, eventually becomes second in command in all of Egypt next to Pharaoh later on in life. And his brothers come back and they have this incredible, humble experience. The story ends beautifully. However, at this time, they're lying. And could you imagine if you're Reuben, if you're Judah, if you're any of the brothers, any of the sons of Israel, sons of Jacob, and here you are, and you sold your brother off, and they go and they lie to their father, Jacob. They say, yeah, and they they bring his clothes back. Look, he died. You know, it's so bad. And they're lying. They got to lie to their wives. They got to lie to their kids. They got to lie to their dad. They, They live in this lie constantly. Why did this all happen? If you read back, What happened, it was this generational thing where Isaac had a favorite, it was Jacob. Jacob had a favorite, it was Joseph. And it was out of this rivalry that this took place. Now God used it, okay? God used it for his glory. But this rivalry is not supposed to take place. We're not supposed to have, as Christians, favorite kids, okay? Now let me say this. If you grew up in a household and your mom and dad had a favorite and you were it or you weren't, and you're going, I don't know how to change this. You've got to change this, and you've got to change it right now in your name, and you've got to break it in the name of Jesus because each of your kids needs to know how special they are. And guess what? I have five. All five of mine are completely different. They, they, you can tell a little bit that they're the same because they kind of, you know, they have our DNA. They look a little bit like each other, but that's about it, okay? It ends there. And so sometimes one of your kids might be more like you. The others might be into things that maybe you're more into, my wife, talking, talking about her again, we brought this up at the young, uh, young Marriage Small Group, is my wife was not a baseball person. I love listening and watching the Twins games. And when we got married, I came home one night, and Heather is in our house, and we have a little radio underneath our, our cupboard. We've had that since we've been married. And she says to me, she's like, oh, I've been watching, listening to the Twins game, and this person, and Joe Nathan this, and Joe Nathan. And I'm going, what in the world? How do you know this? And she said, well, I know that you're into these baseball games, and so I thought I would try to get into them too. I just that like so blessed me that my wife was willing to come my way, you know? And it goes both ways, and it goes with our kids, okay? Now, if you're a brother or a sister here today, do everything you can to live in peace with your other brother and sister. Sometimes you have those rivalries. Maybe even today you're not on good terms. We talked a couple, two weeks ago about those habits that one is unforgiveness. We got to break that right away, all right? If you have that, you got to let that go. But do everything you can to live in peace. Paul talks about this in Romans. He says in Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another 
above yourselves. Now in media, let's go to this next role, but in media, there are a ton and a ton of misrepresentations of what it means to be a father or a mother. And I want to show you a display of one of the worst Hollywood dads ever in all of Hollywood. And this is one, one part of the show that actually makes him look like a pretty decent dad for the most part. However, most of the other shows put him in a very bad limelight. So let's go ahead. We're going to talk about moms and dads for a moment. Big deal. I could juggle six pins if they let me use a unicycle. Well, if you think it's too easy, why don't you throw me something else? Whoa! Whoa. Are you insane? You can't throw a little boy into my cascade. Stop tossing kids! <laughs> oh, man, I love Saturdays. <laughs> now... Homer Simpson is not our ideal dad for us to look at. Or You can bring the lights back up. And uh, what, what I want to do, though, is this is a role that some of us have. We even clapped. A lot of you are a mother or a father here. And let me say this. If you're wondering when you're ready for a title, if you are not ready to be selfless, you're not ready for marriage. Not going to happen. Because what happens is when you get married, it just kills a little bit of your selfishness. You have to become a little bit more selfless. And then I tell people that we counsel within our office, I said, once that happens, the next step is when you have kids, man. You got married, it killed, it killed a lot of that selfishness. You have kids, dude, it's like gone with the machine gun, okay? It is out of there. It's gone, all right? Because you, all of a sudden you realize, not that your kids, you know, that your world is to revolve around theirs, but their world is to revolve around yours. And at the same time, you've got to figure out how that all works. And it gets a little chaotic. It gets a little stressful at times. But we are called mom and dad, to train up our children in the way they should go. Each, each and every one of them is different. Some of them are going to have different love languages than the other one. Some of them are going to respond differently. Some of them might be the social kid. Some of them might be the shy kid. Some of them might be the outgoing kid. Some of them might be the quiet kid that just wants to play chess. That's okay. Meet them where they need to be met and then call them to life. It's your job as a parent to speak life into them and to train them in the way they should go. It's written again by Solomon in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, start children off on the way they should go and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I love it. It's a scripture with a promise again with family. Okay? Start them off in the way they should go. What does that mean? It means when they're young. It means you get some foundational years, and psychologists have said, you know, that it's those early foundational years from zero to six that really is when we have to train them. Because it says after that, man, if we missed it at the foundation, we missed it. That's the crucial years, mom and dad, that we want to do. Um, Heather was at a training yesterday with the district uh, here in school, and one of the things that she learned was the mental capacities of kids that grow up in dysfunctional homes versus non-dysfunctional homes. And they actually looked at brain development and brain size. And what she learned is that kids that grow up in a healthy, affirming environment, their brain actually develops more healthily and at a greater level. In fact, they said from a dysfunctional home, if that person goes into kindergarten, um, they will know, you know about 200 words from the dysfunctional home. And when they leave kindergarten, it's exponential. The amount of words that they know leaving kindergarten will double. It'll go from 200 words to 400 words. Now, a person that comes in from a functional home, an affirming home, they come in 
with the 400 vocabulary word already, words already, and they leave with 800. So if you think about that, the kid from the dysfunctional home versus the affirming home, the one from the affirming home leaves with double the amount and comes in with the amount that the person from the dysfunctional home with leaves kindergarten with. And so just think about this incredible study that was done. Now, these are all these titles. I want to share one more title. And, and this is the title that I think takes an incredible bad rap in our society. And before I share with you what that title is, the last one I want to share this morning, and then I have some homework for you this morning, is this. This title is the, the one that we bring up, and, and we go, if, if we're the guy, we go and we hide because we know she's coming to town. Or we know that, that uh, this title... You know, it scares us. We don't necessarily like to share a kitchen with them or um, all these things take place where we hide our kids or we, we show that we're doing things that maybe we're not doing when they're there and all of that. And, and who I'm talking about is the mother-in-law. And uh, let me say this. I want to share, I'm pick on my mother-in-law for a moment. She's here right now. And my mother-in-law is incredible. She's a great lady. And sometimes mother-in-laws get a bad rap and sometimes it's because of Hollywood. So let me show you mother-in-law. Boy, this is just like you, Ray. Just when I think that you can't be any more insensitive, you rise to the occasion. Hi, the kid's home yet? I've got cookies. Oh, Mama, Mom, Mom, please. Just go home. It's not a good time. It's okay. She can stay if she wants. I'm not afraid if she hears this. Jekyll would be. (laughs) I cannot take this anymore, okay? You make a huge mess. You don't help me at all. You invite your friends over to drive me crazy all day, and all you can think of is, oh, she must have PMS. Let's just load her up with drugs. No, it's got St. John's warts in it. <laughs> I can't believe you. If there's ever anything wrong, it's PMS. Huh? Sometimes I just, I don't know what to do. Sometimes I just want to smack you. <laughs> <laughs> You smacked me. I know I did. I- I'm sorry. Well, what what you do that for? It's just that it sounds like you're becoming just like your father. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. I don't know. It's just that he was so awful during my ladies' days. <laughs> Anytime I happened to make a comment about his usual disgusting behavior, he would just blame it on that. That's what Ray does. That's what they all do. What? <laughs> What are you talking about? Look, I'm just trying to help. You should be quiet. Yes. Yes. Oh, no. He is trying to help. Look what he did. Look what he bought me. Magic pills, huh? What are you doing, Mom? It's me, Rainy. Raymond, you know that I always let you two fight your own battles. But I can't let you go on with this cycle of your father's imbecility. I'm out of here. Oh, come on. Where are you going? I don't know. Maybe I'll call Amy. Maybe I'll go to the mall, do some shopping. I'm leaving, too. I'm going to talk to your father. Oh, please. Come on, Deborah. Deborah, Raymond, don't you say one more word or I'm going to send your mother right back in here to smack the crap out of you. Now, if you've ever seen Everyone Loves Raymond, you know that usually she sides on the side of her son. And I wanted to paint mother-in-laws here in a great light. I love my mother-in-law, Amber Baker. She's awesome. And uh, mother-in-laws are great. They see a lot of times, you know, that their family comes in by adoption. It really happens. And so my mother-in-law has adopted me as a son of her own. And this is what you're to do. If you're a mother-in-law or if you're a father-in-law, you're basically, your family is expanding. It's extending. And that's good. That's healthy. Let me close with this. You should have by now a little sheet of paper. And, uh, or we got, okay, they're coming right now. We're going to hand these out to you. Um, just take that 
And just hold on to that for a moment. Uh, just make sure you have one and you have a pen. I have an action step for you. So um, make sure you have one of these purple sheets and you have a pen. Let me close by saying this. There might be titles you will never hold. For example, I will never be a mother. Okay? Just, it physically can't work. I'll never be a mother-in-law. All right? Um, I could be a grandfather. I hope to be, like, light years from now. All right? A ways off. But there might be titles that you never have. You might not ever... Now, stay with me this morning. I know we're passing these out. Stay with me. I want to really talk to those that think, man, I don't have a title, and maybe you think less of yourselves, okay? You might not ever hold the role of husband. You might not ever hold the role of wife, but you will hold other titles, okay? Let the titles you hold now shape you. Let those titles that you hold now shape you right now. Now, and I want you to hear this from the Bridge Church. You know, I know, I'm going to pick on Matt and Kristen. I know when they first started coming, a lot of people would come up and they'd be like, hey, Matt and Kristen, when are you guys having kids? What are you having? That was like, they were asked all the time. And, I'm, and they're looking at me like, are we supposed to have kids here at the church? Does everybody have kids? I go, no, like, there's no pressure here. And like, I kind of feel pressured. Let me say this to everybody, okay? If you're not a husband, if you're not a wife, if you're not a mom, or if you're not a father, that does not mean for one second in this church that you are second rate, okay? It means that you held a title just as important as a father or a mother or anyone for that example, okay? No one here is a second rate Christian. No, not at the Bridge Church. We are all valued by a father who loves the living snot out of us. He loves us. He's our father in heaven. Maybe you're single. And I shared this last week, and again, during a family message, I know a lot of, you know, I, when I was at church growing up, uh, after I, I got saved when I was 17, and I was sitting there, and they'd get to the family message, and I was cringe because I'm going, I'm just dating right now. I'm not, I'm not a husband. I'm not a wife yet. And I really want to focus on you that are single. Um, if you're single, and I shared this last week, you have the best time right now to reflect and to be with God, okay? Without anything taking the place of that, don't, don't get to your paper yet. I have instructions for you. Don't write down anything yet. 1 Corinthians 7.35, for, for those of you that are single, this is what it says. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, Paul's talking about marriage, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. In fact, Paul right here in 1 Corinthians 7, he actually says it's better not to be married. And within context, the reason he is saying that is because our hearts are not divided between our spouse and our God. If you are single, and that's the title you hold right now, consider it a blessing, not a curse. Don't go after the title if you're not ready for it. That's okay. You can wait. Be patient. But you have this time to connect with your God. Where the others of us, we have other things in our priorities that you don't have in yours yet. Use this time as a blessing. We want you to know if you're single at this church, you're going to be honored, you're going to be blessed, and you're valuable in every single way, shape, and form. Now, there might be titles that you have lost through death, through divorce, and I just want you to know that during these moments in life, we stand with you as a church. The church has to stand with you. We want to stand with you. If you're fatherless, if you're motherless, if you're an orphan, if, if you're lonely, God says this. He says, the Father will never forget you. That's the Bible. That's not Hollywood. In fact, Isaiah 49, 15 says, never, never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? 
But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. God doesn't forget anyone, even the orphan, even the widow. He doesn't forget you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life and your title that he has given you. If you're lonely, I had somebody reach out to me this week and just say, hey, you know, Pastor Chris, I'm a little lonely. Let me say this to you and to everyone else this morning. I believe this is a word for you. God has given you the church as your family. We're your family. God has given you. It says, it says in Psalms, this is what it says, 68.6, it says that God sets the lonely in families. That's not just biological families. That's the family of Jesus Christ. And so can we be a church, if you're going, man, we see fatherless, we see motherless, we see the hurting, we see the oppressed. Can we be a church that helps kids and helps us where we're at not grow up with daddy issues? Can we be that church? I think we can. You know, we have a great counseling ministry. We have great people that want to walk alongside of you, mentoring you. We have great groups to connect with. Now, grab that paper. Here's a tool for you today as we bring this to a close. This is what I want you to do. This might be really, really difficult for you, especially you guys that don't like to say words, all right? That's what I want you to do. I want you to write in, whether it's your spouse, whether it's somebody important to you, if you're single, whether it's a daughter, somebody that you know that God wants you to speak into this week, okay? I'm asking you to do this as your pastor, okay? I'm asking you to do this. I want you to make this so this week. I want you to speak into somebody's life. You are called to do that. You're called to speak life into people. And so you write down, for example, okay, Levi Vincent, that's one of my sons, is valuable because, and then you fill it in. Write why. Because he's selfless, because he's the kindest person I know, because he'll step in and do things without anybody else seeing or asking him, because he always gives me two hugs at night before bed. Whatever it might be. Those are all true, by the way. Write them down. Right, right now. Write it down. Write it down. And then I have another part of this. Plenty of room. You can write a ton on there. Who is it? Write down. Why are they valuable to you? You hold a title, and that title makes you important to this person's life. And so I'm asking you to speak. Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's a dad. Maybe it's a grandpa. Maybe it's a grand, grandma. Maybe it's a mother-in-law. Last two things with that sheet of paper. I want you to bring it home. I don't want to find any on the seats after we're done. Take it with you. Put it in your, your iPhone case or your Samsung case or where you're not going to forget it, okay? Put it next to your wallet. You won't forget it. Second thing I want you to do, this is where it gets a little harder. I want you to say it to their face. Not over the phone. If you pick somebody that you're not going to see in a while, find somebody else. I want you to say it to their face, Okay? Go say it. Speak it to them. Speak it over them. All right? Man, things get broken when you do these things. Walls get broken when you do this. And then there's a third part of this. This is the action step today. The third part. And for some of us, I know this might be difficult. And let me say this before I give you the third one. For some of us, this might be really difficult because no one ever affirmed you. No one ever spoke over you. No one ever spoke positive to your face. In Jesus, you put the cross there, and that can be changed right now, today. Okay? And so you're changing your family legacy right now. Right now. Through atmosphere, through habits, you're speaking over them, no matter what your family looks like. And so there's step three, okay? Write it down. Speak it to their face. And if you have the boldness and the tenacity, speak it to their face in front of other family members. Speak it 
in front of them, to them, and let others hear it. Let others hear it. Let them hear the praise. Guys, let me speak to the men. You have a delegated authority as a dad and as a husband to speak life into your children. And there's many a fatherless within our community. They need you to continue to speak into them as well. I know you're writing. I know you're thinking. Let me pray for you. God, I'm so grateful for this series. Lord, we're talking about our best family in 28 days and what a way to end it where we can go and we can speak life into somebody. God, we want to be that life-giving church always. And this is a way that we can do it in a practical way. God, I pray right now, whoever we wrote down would be able to receive the words of affirmation we're, we're ready to share with them, whether it's just to their face or whether it's to their face in front of others. And God, I pray that others wouldn't be jealous of hearing those words, but they'd be excited of the affirmation that takes place that we so need today. God, I thank you for the title of, of father and son that you have given me, and brother. Lord, I thank you for the titles to your mother-in-law, father-in-law, grandpa, grandma, niece, nephew, aunt, uncle, cousin. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.